There are two competing claims to truth in our gospel. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. The Jewish crowd said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus makes the claim to be the living bread because he is God. Some six times in John's Gospel, Jesus deliberately uses the expression, I am, ego imi, for the Hebrew, ea asher ea, the words God used to describe himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, which means I am who I am. I am the source of all being. I am being itself. Jesus claims that the divine nature of the Father is also his nature. And this is why Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 31, I and the Father are one. The crowds could tolerate that Jesus was a miracle worker, perhaps a prophet, but ultimately only a man. Many of Jesus' disciples in the sixth chapter of John's Gospel left him because his teaching on the reality of the Eucharist as his body and blood proved to be just too much for them. They said, who can accept this teaching? As many do today. But Jesus never backpedaled. He never attempted to, attempted to soften his words by speaking symbolically, but rather he spoke in the fullness of reality. He never sought to achieve consensus of opinion. Instead, he called people to faith. And Jesus still calls people to faith, and people still insist that Jesus compromise the truth of his words. The truth of divine compassion in human flesh and the hardness of the human heart that judges according to its limitations were then, are now, and always will be on a collision course. Nowhere in the scriptures do I ever see Jesus calling for what some refer to as blind faith. Faith does not mean one suspends reason and logic. A rational person can and indeed must ask, how can a piece of bread and a cup of wine possibly bear the infinite weight of the divine presence? Jesus does not provide an answer. Instead, he gives evidence about the power of his word so that we may come to our own conclusion. By his word, he raised three people from the dead. By his word, he healed a man born blind, something that never had happened before. By his word, he restored hearing to the deaf. By his word, he healed the lame and cured the sick. Nothing symbolic about his word. 
All these were signs that the prophets themselves predicted would be done by the one to be called Messiah. And all these compel us to consider that there can only be one explanation for the mystery of the Eucharist. The truth of Jesus' claim that his flesh is true food and his blood is true drink. Just as the Father's word makes real what he sends it out to accomplish and does not return to him void and empty, so too the Son's word, Jesus' word, makes bread his body and wine his blood. Like the Father, the Son never forces or compels belief. He offers signs and respects the free will of people to put the signs together for themselves and make a choice, accept or reject the truth of his word. What happens when we say amen, which in Hebrew means I believe, to the truth of the mystery that Jesus is feeding us with his body and blood. Several things. You can find a lot more detail if you read the Catechism of the Catholic Church on this. The mystery of the Eucharist draws us into an ever-deepening relationship with Jesus. He tells us, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. A deepening intimacy with Jesus is offered to us throughout the course of our lives. The mystery of the Eucharist, precisely because it draws us into a deeper relationship with Jesus, forgives past sins, helps us to avoid future sins, and is of immense help in avoiding mortal sin. It renews the life of grace within us. The mystery of the Eucharist draws us more deeply into the mystery of the church that Jesus personally established and sent the Holy Spirit to to guide it into the fullness of truth until he returns. May it be tonight. The Eucharist then binds us together as one body, which is why those who do not share our faith cannot be admitted to the Eucharist. The mystery of the Eucharist imparts eternal life now and points us in hope to that wonderful day when the Lord shall return to gather all to himself. Again, may it be tonight. St. Ignatius of Antioch tells us in his letter to the Ephesians, written in the first one about 150, 140, that when we celebrate the mystery of the Eucharist, we, and this is what St. Ignatius says, we break one bread that provides the medicine of immortality. As early as the apostolic era, the Eucharist is called the medicine of immortality, the antidote for death and the food that makes us live forever in Jesus Christ. Once I accepted the truth, about the mystery of the Eucharist. Once I accepted that Jesus' word, like his Father's word, makes real what he sends it out to accomplish, that by his words, spoken 
in the prayer of consecration by a validly ordained priest and by the work of the Holy Spirit, bread and wine become what Jesus says they are, his body, his blood, true food, true drink. And I knew at that moment I had to find an historical church that went back to the time of the apostles to whom Jesus empowered the ability to celebrate the Eucharist and who turn handed down this ministry through the laying on of hands, the sacrament of holy orders. I had to find a church that faithfully preserved and transmitted this great mystery. And there are only two, the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church. There is no true Eucharist in any of the 50,000 Protestant denominations that currently exist in our country. I do not say that out of arrogance. I do not say that out of pride but as a matter of historical reality. And I knew I had to leave my Protestant community and embrace an historical church. Those other churches do not possess, nor can they claim to possess, the apostolic succession, the handing down of the sacramental power to be agents, to be instruments to make the mystery of the Eucharist present. And should a Catholic go to a Protestant communion service and receive, not only are they receiving just bread and just wine, more seriously, they are saying amen, which means to what is not real, denying the truth of Jesus' word and denying the bond of unity in his church in which the mystery has been preserved. And these are very grave offenses. The mystery of the Eucharist can never be reduced to a matter of how one feels or to personal opinions. It is, in the end, a matter of truth, calling us to the fullness of life, and our feelings, our opinions, are always poor substitutes for truth.